My name is Jason Allard. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria, Illinois. And with me, as always, is Gary, Gary Gear, who's the pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria, Illinois. Gary, what's going on, man? Just rocking it old school. I meant I wanted you to sing What's Going On. <laughs> I have too much respect for that song. That well. And, uh, and, and a singer to actually... Uh, um, to try. give it an attempt? No, I, I won't even try, man. Okay. I won't even try. Maybe a little Van Morrison sometime, but that's about as far as I'll go. What Van Morrison? What's your What's your favorite Van Morrison oh, song? It depends on the time of day. Uh, Into the Mystics, great. Um, about anything off of Enlightenment album, which was an incredible album. And uh, Perfect Fit is another favorite of mine. I got a bunch of Van Morrison. Are you a fan of the Chieftains? You ever listen to the Chieftains? Oh, I listen at all? to the Chieftains. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. they all start to sound the same after a while. That's true, but I like how they bring in guys like Van oh, Morrison yeah. and Sting oh, yeah. and those guys. And so I think that was probably, un- oddly enough, that was probably my first exposure to Van Morrison because my dad was a big '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a rocker guy. But yeah. he didn't introduce me to Van Morrison. It was more Jimi Hendrix. Um, yeah. Um, Robert Trower, you know, those kind of things. Okay. But, but also um, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So some of the lighter fare stuff right. as well. But Well, Van anyway. Morrison is still putting out CDs. He just put one out about two months ago. He, really? He, he cranks about one a year. Okay. Um, yeah, see, I don't, just don't follow him. I like, yeah. it. I like him. I like his voice and everything. But are you going to any shows You lately, know what? Have you been to any? No, ELO's coming to Chicago oh, really? this summer, and Dawes is opening. Oh, really? And uh, That's interesting. I mean, you know what? I can't afford the tickets, and I can't pay that price. But if I find someone unconscious with the tickets in their wallet, <laughs> they just might disappear. They, they, I hate to confess my covetousness in that way, but that's funny. I know me and my daughter would be glad to uh, commit small misdemeanors in order to get, <laughs> in order to, get to a concert. Yet. That's really funny. My nephew is a huge ELO fan, and he's 16 years old, but he just really likes likes ELO. So. Beautiful harmonies, beautiful yeah. melodies. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Well, uh, today I've got the topic uh, that we're going to speak on, and uh, what I thought we would talk about, and you know this, of course, Gary, is uh, missions, a philosophy of missions. Um, there's a there's been a lot of emphasis in the last uh, decade to 15 years on being missional, and uh, I think that the uh, idea of that is that missions. Uh, tended to be something that we looked at that was a far off something somebody went and did, and so they. I think the attempt to bring that to uh, the person in the pew um, was what that was about, and and hey, we need to be living as evangelists in our context. Missions isn't just something that's a far off. It's not something we just throw money at, but. Um, I, I wonder if the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction for some of these, uh, you know, folks in, in that movement, uh, where there has been a, a lack of focus on what we might call foreign missions or global missions and and those kinds of things. And uh, Gary, you and I have been in the um, uh, sort of conservative. Uh, side of of uh, all of that for many many years now, and um, 
uh, we've never chatted about this. I don't even know if you and I personally have chatted about it outside of some conversations about particular missionaries that we both know or have come to our churches and asked if we can support them. But I just wanted us to kind of sit down and talk about a, a philosophy of global missions and and um, maybe just learn some things about what, what each other believes about that and find common ground and, and go from there. So let me just begin by asking you, uh, what is a phil- when we say philosophy of missions, or maybe even you know some people would say, well, you just need to say mission because there's just one mission. So, what is the philosophy of missions or mission that you have come to hold to, if I could put it that way? It, I'm gonna I'm gonna meander just the slightest bit. That's fine. When, when Take you look, us when, when you look at the term philosophy, you're asking yourself the question. With what lens are we gonna? What what lens are we gonna use when we look at our resources, mm-hmm. financial, mm-hmm. physical, and spiritual, and even mental resources? Okay. And especially as we bend them towards the Great Commission yes. over in Matthew, where yes. Christ says, "Because of the resurrection and the crucifixion, I now have the authority to tell you what the rest of your life is going to be like." Mm-hmm. Uh, on an interesting side note, just I know my daughter has said this uh, in her uh, Bible study group down in Texas in college. It was a group of Reformed kids. The uh, guy who ran the Bible study believed that the Great Commission was only for those disciples and not for others. Oh wow! It, it was. It's not really something for the whole church. Right. All right. Right. I'm. I am operating on the presupposition that the Great Commission is for all believers. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Um, and I believe that our responsibility to fulfill it is commensurate with our capacity to um, perceive the need okay. and to leverage our resources where it's not going. So I'll, I, will, I will just summarize where I want our church to be. And we've talked about this philosophy, but we're too small and we've not gotten to the point where, where we've gotten there yet. Rather than waiting for missionaries to come to us, yeah, we want to identify places in the world in which the gospel is not being preached, and the same way in which you would um, hunt down a guy to be an elder at a church and a candidate or something along those lines, um, that we would hunt down someone who's already going there, as well as raising people up within our church, right? And saying, okay, this is what we're going to do, rather than being reactive. Yes, strive to be proactive. Yeah. Along those lines. Okay, great. And I would agree 150% with that um, because You're I turning think... turning your amplifier uh, up to 11 Up here. to 11. Yeah, up to okay. 11. Um, <laughs> maybe even 11 and a half. Um, but I, yeah, I agree with you uh, so much that um, we need to not be reactive. We need to be proactive. We need to be looking at where there is a need. Um, our... Um, the, 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 the trajectory, using that word earlier before we started recording, the trajectory that we would like to take, and it's going to take some time, is that we would identify the uh, ability um, or availability to try to be on every continent where there are people. Um, so, you know, represent representatives of Fellowship Bible Church, um, and then, of course, start parsing that out a little more as, as money and growth would uh, allow us to do that. Because in the past, we have been more, these people have come to us, they're related to so-and-so, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it hasn't been um, a really a philosophy that says, why are we doing what we're doing? Does that right. make sense? No, I understand. And, 
And so, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% um, on that. And so uh, let me ask you something based on that. How do you identify those areas where there is need? I think there's enough data out there. I mean, and you have what's called the 4060 window. Right. Um, through the years you you pick up area you you pick up areas like for instance probably the area in South America that stands out to me the most would probably be uh, Uruguay mm-hmm. out of all of it it is the most secular nation mm-hmm. out of any nation in South America with the least churches and least gospel preaching churches okay so you know I would look at something like that mm-hmm. um, unfortunately I've been around long enough and and you've been around long enough Jason um, we tend to uh, Respond to what's sexy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back in the eighties, it was uh, it was post USSR Russia. It was it was, was post Soviet Russia. Right. We're gonna get the gospel over there, and we're gonna change everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think it was Korea after that mm-hmm. uh, for and for several years. Mm-hmm. And um, now in the fundamentalist circles, there's always been a big been a big emphasis on the Philippines. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot. A, a lot in the Philippines. Um, also, now in the last probably, what, 10 years, I would say the Middle East with the focus on Turkey, mm-hmm. although that's letting up a bit now that uh, the new president has really, well, not new president, but he's been really screwing down on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's been um, an emphasis in um, dispensational circles on Israel, which I think is um, fine, too. I don't mean that yeah. in a, no. a negative way. I think no. there's I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But I, I think that that actually leads to another uh, problem, which is that we tend to focus particularly upon a people group, or it could, it could be a problem, where a church says, we're only going to right. reach this people group. Right. No, and I, I, I don't think that that's wise either, but I do think there has to be the constant question, who needs it most right now? Mm-hmm. And the willingness to change midstream if the data changes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I may put it that way. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that, that I've been convicted about in the last 10 years or so has been not what I would say nickel and diming to death missionaries so that you can say, you know, and, 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 and Gary and I, in our churches, we support um, individuals or, or ministries. We don't go through... Uh, like the cooperative program or right. things like that. I mean, th- there's some there's some benefits to things. There's denominational. a lot of or something like that. Yeah, there's denomination. There's there's helpful things about that as well. But um, you know, there there's sort of this uh, pride issue where churches will say, well, we support 500 missionaries. Well, but you support them at 10 bucks a month or whatever the case may be. So my conviction has been to try to support a smaller number of missionaries mm-hmm. with a greater amount of support so that you can relate to them. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? I, I think it has to be more than related. And by the way, this is part of what I visualized, or where you go when you find someone who's heading in that direction. Uh, let's use Lapland as an example. Let's say you, you're okay. We we don't have really any gospel preaching churches in Lapland. I want to say there's maybe six gospel preaching churches in Norway total. Mm-hmm. And let's say we go to some Lapland in Norway, and we say, hey, I want you to start a church, and we'll pay for one third of your support, mm-hmm. and we expect you to spend at you know 
the amount of time with us when you're back in the States, helping disciple, helping work, interacting with us. Sure. Uh, becoming kind of a lifeline. And if you have two or three missionaries or four missionaries in which you're doing that, you have a constant churn of missionaries coming through mm-hmm. who are interacting and overlapping with, with one another. And I, I think there's more of a sense of the community that that creates. Mm-hmm. And... Um, also the participation in the church and discipleship, because while these guys are back in the States then, they're being discipled by the church, right. rather than moving from church to church to church doing a dog and pony show. Right, right. Yeah, and there is, a, there is I think, some wisdom in having the uh, support spread amongst several churches okay. um, in, in the sense of just what if all of a sudden somebody's budget gets cut in half and they right. have to suddenly say, hey, we have to cut your support in half. Um, you know, where do they make up that difference? Um, and obviously, we believe in the sovereignty of God. And right. Now, let yeah. me ask you this, yep. then. Yep. Um, the Southern Baptist model, mm-hmm. and by the way, this is not picking my Southern Baptist brothers, but not at all. let's just look at the model itself. Mm-hmm. You don't even, I mean, you go to get prayer support, but you don't go to get financial support. Mm-hmm. You basically candidate, they decide whether or not you're going to go there. You don't have to worry about, I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention provides all of your money. Right. I I I think you visit churches for a year, and then you go out. Of course, with training and and everything else. Right, right, yeah. Any thoughts on that, the pros and the cons of that? Yeah, I think that they're, um, I mean, first of all, we do give to the cooperative program as a part of our giving. Um, but we have coined it in such a term to say that we do so for the for partnering in education. Okay. Um, but that money still goes to missions. But in reality, that's a small amount compared to the nearly forty thousand dollars we give a year to missions uh, with individuals or ministries, that kind of a thing. Um, here at at our church, I think there's some benefits to it. I mean, that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is is centered around is right. cooperation. That's their whole thing, right? So I think that there's some benefits to it in in regard to we're we're kind of all pooling from the same pool. I don't know if I said that right or not. We're all, <laughs> we're all drawing, drawing from the same drawing pool. Yeah, same that's right. Pool. We're all drawing from the same pool. But it does seem like there is a lack of relationship that that comes about as a result of that because Who's coming to visit? You know, who, who? What kind of a relationship do we have with these missionaries? Um, and maybe that's just my ignorance of how it all works, Gary. Well, I think it depends on the individual congregation. And mm-hmm. when I was pastoring in Farmersburg, I actually did a, a series on missions, mm-hmm. and we had uh, some people from the Southern Baptist Church visiting at night, and they said, "Could you please come and talk to our pastor?" and present this because we don't really have any uh, any interaction with our missionaries at all. And yet mm-hmm. I've been to other Southern Baptist churches where you know they're digging in, they know the people, they know the culture, they know what's going on. So, so there you go. So It's, it's kind of a case-by-case. Case yeah, and I think that that's probably the case in any denominational church. I think right. about the, the PCA and Mission to the World, and, and you know they have their own mission organization. But I have friends who are you know PCA in background that went with... Um, uh, different organizations than MTW, and they're still supported by PCA churches and that kind of a thing. So I yeah. think there is some overlap there, uh, certainly. Uh, boy, you know, my mind is exploding on a bunch of different uh, places we could go with this and questions that we could we could ask. Um, well, with it. Yeah, definitely. I'm just trying to decide where... <laughs> Which one to uh, to go with? Um, yeah. So what what should be the focus of 
missionaries when they go on the field. What what is what is global missions? Oh man! And I know. You know and, and, go back and to Matthew I, I twenty-eight. Think this is where maybe you and I may disagree. Okay. A, a, a little bit here. We don't disagree um, on anything, Gary. <laughs> When we disagree on those shorts that you're wearing. Hey, listen, but, uh, man. Listen, my wife likes it, so. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Um, Please don't. <laughs> thank you. In, in, in all seriousness, um, I probably have less of a commitment to parachurch ministries that do missions work. I guess on some level, I can see their usefulness. Mm-hmm. I don't always see their need, if I may put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, so... In my case, if, if you're contacting me and saying, hey, um, you know, I'm part of this parachurch ministry. In fact, some, we and we had some friends who uh, were part of the Navigators going out and said, hey, we're going to have the Navigators to this area. So, well, you'd be part of a local assembly. Are you coming to have a local church? No. Then I'm really not interested in having you yeah. present to our, our, our right, church. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that caused some tensions there. But, um yeah. But but I guess my question maybe I was misleading not purposely uh, in my question. What do they do when they get there? What are the main things that a missionary does when they get on the field? Let's let's imagine they're going to well, the would, bush I in would, Africa. I, w- I would say either they are. I mean, for, first of all, it has to be church based. Mm-hmm. That is, it has to be local church based. Amen. No matter what. It, it it has to find the local church as its basis. Even if. That means they're starting a local church. Yes, yes, yeah. and, and to me, I mean that—that's where it always begins. Even mm-hmm. if it's just yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you get two or three in believers, and I'm not going to quote the Matthew 18 passage because I don't know if that's necessarily relevant in yeah, this case. Yeah, yeah. But but the sense of saying, okay, we need to start a place where we are committed to discipling. Mm-hmm. Now. Then at that point, you may call in people, okay, we need someone to work with education, or we need someone to work with this, or someone mm-hmm. to work with that. Mm-hmm. But it all has to be centered around the discipleship that takes place at that church. Yeah, amen. Yeah, so uh, I don't know where we're disagreeing yet, because I'm with you 100%. Okay. <laughs> because I think, yeah, local church, and clearly there is a sending church, even if you have you know, other support from other churches and individuals. Right. There needs to be a church identified that says, this is my home church, these elders are my elders, Right. Um, until elders are established on the field. Um, and maybe it looks like you're in, we have friends in Mozambique, so the more populated area of Mozambique, you find a Bible-believing church that you partner with, and you say, so we have elders sort of overseeing us from the United States. Right. We have this local group of pastors or elders here that kind of oversee, but we're going to be in the bush, so there's going to be... Me and my wife and whatever whoever God brings to us, right. and we'll only ever be able to go to this Mosin, you know, the the populated church maybe once every two months, right, to be a part of that. But here is where we're starting to work, um, and yeah, discipleship, church planting, I think, is the foundation right. of missions. Now, maybe you are bringing somebody over because you're. Now you're into, and, and maybe you've started as well, but you're needing more people to help translate because they've right. never had a Bible. So you, translation ministry right. um, is a part of that. And I think as well, the third sort of pillar I would say is um, training of nationals. We should be able to work ourselves out of a job. Right, and I would agree that. To, to me, that would be the, nat- the, the, the natural extension mm-hmm. of the growth of a local church where mm-hmm. you raise up national elders yes amen and then you know if if the the uh, the uh, ex the the outsider for lack of a better term missionary 
uh, decides he needs to go elsewhere and start another church, or even mm-hmm. they send some of those elders elsewhere to start another exactly. church. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so our friends, the Drowns, who were in um, Central America for 40 years, um, I think they started 80 churches, mm. you know, because there's the sparseness and the villages and... You know, so for in 40 years, they started two churches a year, basically. Huh. Once they learned the language, I mean, obviously that there was a, a some beginning foundational things that needed to happen there. But, you know, I think that there's that's what God has called us to do, is to make disciples, and, and he gives us a model of that, which is church planting, essentially. Right. No. So. I, I would agree. I yeah. would definitely agree. Yep, yeah. Um, so let's look at it from a practical point of view. Your... You're an elder. You're a pastor here. How how does a missionary normally get in touch with you mm. if if he, he wants to come and talk to your church about partnering? Yeah, I think you mean he or she, Gary. We're not. Uh... <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yeah, so they um, they usually through email. Okay. Um, more or or less so these days um, through phone, but but generally through the website. They find us. On you know one of the bigger you know whether it's um, nine marks right. or one of those kind of things and they just kind of say hey we're philosophically aligned shoot me an email okay. and uh, that that begins some sort of a conversation. What do you ask from them or what are you looking for in them? Uh, you know what are they doing? What 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 are you going to do? What is going to be your mission? What what uh, what's the end game here for you? Um, now, I mean, I need to be careful because what I said earlier, I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying we're going to also be connected to a local church and start an orphanage. You know, I, th- I think there's, you know, there's many things that can take shape in and around the local church. Uh, but, but um, yeah, what are you doing? What is your, what is your purpose? What, what are you going to do? Um, what's your, um, your um, steps to getting there? Where are you in those steps? Um, and then, uh, you know, just basically say, we'll get back to you depending on what our finances are like and how much, how well of a match this is. So what about you? Well, no, I, I, I guess to me it's multi-level. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I want to sit and find out essentially everything that you said at that point. Sure. I also want to see them as an individual and as, mm. as, 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 as a person and what are they like? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to get some feel for personality for a lot of times mm-hmm. we'll have missionaries over for dinner mm-hmm. and if they don't volunteer to help out with the dishes or anything else, mm-hmm. chances are there's other good reasons to write them off too. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm serious. Sure. I mean, it's it's like I, I I look to see how they'll respond to my home. If 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 you have a missionary that comes in and talks the majority of the time about themselves and has mm. no interest in you or your people, sure. Uh, again, I I just don't really have much time for you. Yeah, and you're asking for our money, but you have no desire mm-hmm. to actually ask how you can serve us. Yeah, yeah, that is encouraging, isn't it? When um. Anyone really, but we're talking missions, comes and, and asks questions that are, um, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. Can you help me think through that? Yeah, and, and there's some wisdom there too. I, there's that, but I I enjoy the back and forth conversation, especially mm-hmm. 
if you have a missionary from a slightly different in in, in tradition and and to, to challenge them and to be challenged, sure, which has been very good for me as as a pastor to, to have a missionary come along and say, okay, have you thought about it this way? Have you looked at it this way? I'm looking at it culturally this way, and it's like, wow, I've, I've never really thought of that before. That's that's good. You need to talk to some of our people about this too. Mm-hmm. This is something that we all need to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have missions conferences? We have had one since I've been here, and the, slacker. the plan was to do it every other year. Uh, we've kind of fallen off of that already. You're, you're, you're a slacker, I am, dude. I am a slacker, absolutely. <laughs> you, you pegged me on that one. Uh, but um, it's never really been a thing here. It's been more as missionaries come into town, they want right. to give us updates, that kind of right. a thing. And so I, a couple of years ago I said, hey, I think it would be good for us to have maybe two of those at the same time and right. kind of build a weekend around it. So right. how about you guys? We we uh, took a break for about three years. We weren't able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had them one about every – to me – and th- this is where my my fundamentalism or my Southern Christianity pops up. Uh, we kind of use missions conferences in place of revival services mm-hmm. in the sense of it's like, okay, we need outside speakers. We need to be rejuvenated, reminded of what we're doing. Let's right. bring in you know, two or three missionaries, have them speak all weekend have a lot of time getting in together, and then we have a big question-answer session at the end of a whole bunch of prayer. And uh, uh, I found that as much as anything personally revitalizing um, in my place as a believer in Christ. Cool. Yeah, and I think in regard to that, I'm much more in favor of bringing in missionaries that we already support yes. into those, at least if we're going to have three, two of the three being our own, because yes. I think there is a biblical case in Acts made for they came and reported what was right. happening. And, and that's what we do, too. We actually yeah. have some of them always being missionaries that we have that we support or we know. Sure. So let's assume that you have a missionary on the field, they, they've matched up philosophically, as much as they're going to, you, you love what they're doing. How do we support missionaries outside of them knowing that we pray for them and that we financially support them? What are some ways we can support our missionaries? I think just staying in constant contact with them. Okay. Uh, I have one missionary in Italy, and I he he just texts me every so often. I text him. Cool. You know, it's like, hey, what's going on? Have to be careful what time of the day you text him because you know the poor guy's sleeping or the wife's sleeping. Right. But you know, just text and say, hey, what's going on? How are you doing this? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, just that 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 just that basic. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. One one of the things I've started doing is uh, every week myself, my own personal worship, I, I pray for a missionary for the entire week. Mm. And uh, I'm trying to get in the habit of emailing them. You know, the same one each week, saying, hey, I'm praying for you this week. Right. This is what's going on. These, this is what you can pray for me. Yeah. Uh, how can I pray for you? Do you find that, and not, this isn't to throw your congregation under the bus, do you find that your congregation, people in your congregation do that as well? Some do, do some out? don't. Uh-huh. Some yeah. do. I, yeah. I, 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 and now this is where Facebook works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is great for keeping contact with missionaries who use yes. social media. Yeah, that's right. And even the messaging app through oh, yeah. either Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever yeah. is a great place to yeah keep in contact. We have a young right. lady in uh, Bolivia right now, and WhatsApp is kind of her connection to our church, and so we'd encourage people to reach out to her through that and, and message her and encourage her that way. Um, what about mission trips? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? 
<laughs> and I'm not talking about the hey, this you know this youth group is going to go and do this thing with somebody totally unattached to their church. Yeah, have 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 you seen the local the latest John Christ uh, video uh, Christian breakup lines? No, no. Yeah, huh? he 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 sits there and he goes, uh, uh, "You're like a short-term mission trip. You're doing more harm than good." And then he, <laughs> and he pauses. He goes, "Oh wow, that was too much." Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I'll try to remember to do this. I'll link to an article of. Um, uh, Nate Saint, not Nate Saint, uh, his son. What was Nate's son's name? Steve Saint. Uh, Steve Saint actually wrote an article several years back on the harm of short-term mission trips. Right, right. Really, really well done. Really balanced. Not saying you shouldn't do them, but here's how you should do them. Right. Um, do you think that there is a way to support our missionaries by saying, "Hey, we're coming for a week," I and think, what does that look like? Yeah, I well, in, in ta- I've asked the missionaries of this. And part of it is, especially the type of work that they're doing, because especially when you come to a culture, the, the further out it is from American culture, mm-hmm. the less likely you are to be able to acclimate people to really do any good in that length of, 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 of time. Sure. It's just not going to happen. Right. But you do want them to get a feel of the necessity and the desperation for more workers and for prayer at that point. Yeah. Um, that's why South American missions, and we, we, and my daughters have done so sh- um, short-term South American, and, and we have a young lady at our church who's really into that. Um, I think there is some benefit there in the sense where there's not as much need for acclimation going. You, you, you have an infrastructure. You can go in and you can find places that simply need grunt work mm-hmm. with the gospel, and you mm-hmm. can easily place them to do the grunt work with the gospel, mm-hmm. um, not replacing a local skilled you know, worker or whatever else. Right. And then pull out again. And, and everyone's pretty realistic about what they've done. It's not like they've been like, mm-hmm. oh, we've changed this whole place. Right. It's like, okay, right. I just have a better understanding. There's, there's some clarity to what this guy's doing. Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with ex- er- everything you just said, and I think that, that we have to be super careful in the way that we do those, and um, <laughs> that's going to show up on the audio, or be heard on the audio, um, until I cut it out. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I, I agree that that's the way we ought to um, pursue mission trips. And I do think that there is some... Um, there is the... the a possibility that a young person who goes and does something like that might get the spark for that in the, in their life by by doing something like that, and I think that there's some there's some uh, uh, some good uh, to that as well. But uh, there is, I think, the side. I think you were implying this that we can't just go and not do gospel. That's right. not there, missions. There be, then right, there has to be some yeah. sense. You ever hear of teen missions? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, Merritt I did, Island, Florida. Yes, I actually mm-hmm. did it as 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 a teenager. Oh yeah, I did okay. Teen missions and went to Germany and all. Of okay, that. and uh, I, I think the value for me in something like that, for one thing, they really work to make you miserable. <laughs> I, at least in, in Merritt Island, this is back in the eighties, mm-hmm. so it may be different now. Mm-hmm. The eighties were just miserable anyway, weren't they? <laughs> Shut up, dude. Shut up. It wasn't miserable. We were all cool. <laughs> look at look at our hair. Yeah. Uh, Duran Duran rule. Um, anyway, but but the sense of being somewhere 
week after week after week for for and, and for six weeks long, getting right. to know the people and yes. eating in their houses. Right. And it's and, not a ten day no and in and, and out right. Kind of a and thing. you're getting the feel of what it means mm-hmm. to not be able to speak as much as you want with the people about who Christ is, and, and mm-hmm. you understand the distance that is created by culture, not just by language. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really hit me and hit me in between the eyes, mm-hmm. and I think it still sticks in my head to this day. Sure. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I, here, here's a question for you. You said at the beginning you felt that the pendulum had swung too far the other way with missions. Mm-hmm. Describe what you mean by that and why you think that is. Sure. I, I think that there was a focus upon local outreach, which is obviously a good thing. Making disciples in our backyard, uh, I think because there had maybe been the, the swing the other direction where missions is what happens out there, not not, not here. Um, and I mean, there's all kinds of stuff around making disciples anyway that, that wasn't being pursued. It was just get a decision, you know, kind of a mentality. Uh, evangelism without discipleship. Um, so I think the pendulum swung the other direction and said, hey, let's have a missional church so that we're reaching our neighborhood, which of course is a good thing, but to the detraction of we also need to be um, supporting people in the field. And so it, you use the term, we go for what's sexy. It seemed like that right. was what was very faddish at the time was you know, missional communities and, and uh, you know, planning churches and areas, right. which, again, wonderful thing, and I, but to the detraction of, of global missions. I, I think this is probably where the young, restless, and reformed culture was more harmful than anything yes. else. Mm-hmm. The fact, okay, unless I can sit in my uh, coffee shop and, you know, use Red Rider on my moleskin or whatever right. about, you know, what Moeller said... Mm-hmm. When missions really, I, I, you you meet old school missionaries, and they're some of the least charismatic people that you know, mm-hmm. but they've been somewhere for 30, 40 years, yes. giving the gospel over and over and over, yeah. and we pushed an idea of what being a gospel minister would look like, and it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think there was almost like a pulling back in fear yeah. from that. Yeah, no, that's that's really, really good. Well, we're out of time, uh, Gary. Uh, I think, again, we could probably address so many other things. Maybe we'll revisit this in an episode in the future. But uh, any other final thoughts as we close things down here? No, but if there's any other pastors who are listening to this, or uh, again, the, the idea of, of missions, of knowing that others are coming to Christ, uh, I would encourage you, pray carefully about this. Um, be aggressive but not program-driven, if, mm. that, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I go on and on, so I'll just pull back there. No, that's great. And, uh, yeah, if you have any comments or uh, questions that you'd like to uh, shoot our way, you can go on facebook.com slash Radio or go to walcarpradio.wordpress.com and hit us up there when we... Uh, post this later on. There will be a comment section there. Uh, just so you know, next week we're uh, on tap to interview Daryl Harrison. Um, go and look out, uh, look up Daryl at justthinking.me, and uh, you can see uh, kind of the, the guy that he is, and we're looking forward to interviewing him next week. Um, until then, uh, we'll catch you next time. God bless.